discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. It says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything He is. That is why He told Abraham, He said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave Himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God Himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boateng as Christ is magnified in you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. To God be all the glory. Great things he has done. You're all welcome in the name of the Lord. Blessed Father, we honor your holy name. Thank you for the privileges and the opportunities you've given us in Christ. Thank you, Father, for your word. Your word comes with glory. The dew of heaven. Tangible manifestations of your power. It comes with understanding. Enlightening of eyes. For everyone that hears your word. Blessed Holy Spirit, thank you. For your awesome manifestation and glory. Thank you, Father. For illumination and inspiration. In Jesus' name, the Son of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We give God all glory and uh, it's been yet another year. Such a wonderful time to serve God. When it comes to seed sowing conference, it's such a privilege. Heaven accord us to access more of our inheritance in Christ. Hallelujah. So if you can hear my voice, you are welcome in the name of the Lord. You are the seed of the blessed of the Lord. Hallelujah. I want to acknowledge Bishop, Bishop Otibwati. We love you. God bless you for all you are to us. Thank you for the obedience of faith and what God is using you for. We cherish you. Hallelujah. All right. I want to talk about the covenant of wealth in this seed sowing conference. Second Corinthians chapter 9. Verse 8. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8. Alright, let me start from verse 6. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully Oh, it's amazing. Shall reap also bountifully. But this I say, he which soweth. You know, the word soweth in the Greek is in the present active participle, which implies he which sows and sows and sows and sows and, and keeps sowing sparingly and keeps sowing and sowing and sowing sparingly. Yeah, he shall reap and reap and reap and reap and reap sparingly. <laughs> That's a Greek. If you, if you are always sowing sparingly 
every time you keep sowing little, keep sowing little, keep sowing little and little and little. The Greek says you keep on reaping and reaping and reaping, but all the reaping will be little. You reap little and you reap little and you reap little and you, you reap little. <laughs> because you are sowing sparingly and sowing sparingly and sowing. <laughs> it's present active participle. So, but this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall also reap sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall also reap bountifully. Let's go on. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound unto every good work. All right. What is prosperity? Now, prosperity is the ability to abound onto every good work. That's it. Prosperity is the ability to abound onto every good work. And God wants all of us to be able to abound onto every good work. Now, what does it mean to abound onto every good work? To abound onto every good work means that if someone comes to you asking for help to pay his school fees, you are ready to help the person. Then the next day, so another person comes to you with his rent problem. He wants to pay his rent. And when he brings his, his rent need, you are ready at a minute notice to help the person. And the following three days, another person comes, and the person wants, he also has a problem. And the person says that, ah, one of his car tie got busted and he wants money for car tie. <laughs> another person comes, and the person is in the hospital. I mean, his wife is delivered and there's no money to pay for the hospital. <laughs> you know, such things happen. And they are coming to you, but you're able to help all of them. That is abounding onto every good work. Most importantly, in the church, in the church, you are, you are so much of use that whatever God is doing, you are, you are an active participant of what God is doing in his kingdom. So that if it is a warfare that needs something quickly, you are ready at a minute notice. If it is a church project, you are able to give. So being ready, you know, and willing and able to give unto every good work. That is what the Bible calls prosperity. So prosperity is abounding unto every good work. It says, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you that ye have an all sufficiency in all things may be able, may abound, may abound. Yeah, abound. The word abound is perisio. Perisio is a word for over, above, and necessary. Over, above, and beyond. Over, above, and beyond necessary. That's what abound. It is used for a river that has overflown its banks. Abound unto every good work. And every is pass in the Greek. Every means, the word in Greek means any, all, whole, every. That means that you, see, you become so resourceful that any kind of good work you are available. All kinds of good work you are available. Every good work you are available. Then <laughs> the word also means whole. 
any every hole without any exemption. <laughs> that means that you become and you become such a person that God, you are so resourceful, you are so endowed. I mean, there are degrees of it. We grow in it. That now God is not using you to reach many families, people, ch- church members who are in need, resourceful. So being able to abound unto every good work is called prosperity. Now there are two levels of living. There's there's a level of sufficiency and the level of abundance. What I described is the level of abundance, being able to abandon to every good work. But there is a level of sufficiency. The level of sufficiency is when you are okay with yourself. You're able to feed yourself and your family. At least you and your family, you have somewhere to lay your head. You have, so, you have something to eat. You have something to dress. You, you can carry on with your life. All right, so yourself and your family, you are okay, you are sufficient. You know, you have food to eat, you, have, you can pay your, the fees of your children, you can take care of yourself, uh, your wife, and, and you are fine. That's the level of sufficiency. But that is not where we are called to live. That level of sufficiency is a, is a selfish life. It's a selfish life because all is about you, no one else. All is about you being sufficient, no one else again. You see, but we are called not just to be sufficient for ourselves, we are called to be light. Light. And let the Bible says, Jesus said, Let your light so shine among men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven, giving his part of good works. The Bible says in Titus 2 14 that Jesus, who redeemed us from all iniquity, that he may purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Zealous of good works. So this is part of good works. Zealous of good works. Zealous of good works. So even if you are not there, it doesn't matter. You have to see the vision. That look, see yourself living in the realm of abundance. For what reason? To abound unto every good work. You may not be there, but the most important thing is that see yourself there. Uh-huh. And believe God to begin where you are. And, and you live in that realm. That's it. You see, in 2 Corinthians 9, let's go back to our text. Verse 9. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness remained forever. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruit of your righteousness. So there are two levels of living. I said the level of abundance and sufficiency. Okay. Now, God does two things. The Bible says that God, he gives bread for your food. Then he also gives seed to the sower. Now, God supplying bread for your food is the level of sufficiency. But having seed for the sower is a level of, level of abundance. Bread is a, is a symbol of sustenance in the Bible. So God giving bread for your food means that God is able to sustain you. Sustain your life. Sustain you. As in you, your family. You are sustained. But having seed to sow deals with others. Give a portion to seven and to eight. For thou knowest not what evil shall be upon the earth. 
cast their bread upon the waters. So, see to the sower, you've gone beyond yourself. It's a level of abounding unto every good work. Hallelujah. Now, understand that prosperity in, the, in God's perspective is different from how men interpret and understand prosperity. From God's view, how, how, how does God see or what is God's view on prosperity? From heaven's perception, prosperity is not how much you save. Prosperity is how much you give. Hmm. That is the measure of how prosperous you are in the, in the eyes of heaven. It is not how much you accumulate, how much you hoard, or how much you can boast that, oh, I have this amount in my account. So much in my account and that has become my anchor. So prosperity is in how much you give, not how much you hoard or how much you have saved for yourself. Now, according to Luke 12 verse 21, prosperity is being enriched toward God. It's being enriched toward God. Rich toward God. So is he that laid up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. There are many who are rich on earth, but they are not rich toward God. It's how much you give. Now Luke 12 speaks of a man who got so rich that he pulled down his bands and built greater bands and invested so much in his bands, which is the present day bank. Have a much in your bank account. And the man said, Ah, my soul, rest. You have so much to enjoy for the, for the years ahead of you. And God said, Thou fool, thy soul shall be required this night. You see. Hmm. Now, when you give, in Philippians 4.17, Apostle Paul said, Not that I desire a gift, but fruit that may abound unto your account. Not that I desire a gift, but fruit that may abound unto your account. So it means that anytime you give, that giving goes into your account. I'm telling you that as soon as you are born again, you become a citizen of heaven. You see, you are a citizen of heaven. Philippians 3, 20, 21, for our citizenship is in heaven. From whence we look for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile bodies, that it might be fashioned as unto his glorious body. So, our citizenship is in heaven. Philippians 3.20 The moment you are born again, the word born again genau anothen means born from above. You are a citizen of heaven. I, I believe that when you become heaven citizen, a bank account is opened in your name. HBC. You know HBC. Or HBA, right? Right. Is it heaven? Yeah, heaven's bank account. I didn't say HFC. <laughs> we are we heaven's bank account. You you are registered heaven's bank account. All your giving goes there. I'm telling you, angels keep record, like it's in number number seven. Every giving in church, every giving to help the poor, every giving is recorded. And the more you give, God sees your account in heaven and sees that you are prosperous. Not how you have hoarded in Ecobank on earth, but how you have given and it, it is reflecting 
in heaven's bank account. Your heaven's bank account in heaven. Mm-hmm. That's how God sees prosperity. And what God does is that anytime there is a need or there is a challenge or a need to help others, sometimes just before the need arises or after the need, the need just came, the resources are dispatched from heaven to meet that need. Now, there's a realm of working with God where the resources, just, the resources are just released to meet the needs. At times when the needs just come, <laughs> the resources just come. And God is so faithful that it, it's, a, it's a pleasant realm to live. That God is so faithful. And some have seen this kind of faithfulness. It's not once, it becomes a, a normal life you live in. That there's always supply to meet a need. Why? Because God never fails. With our earthly bank account, sometimes the network even fails. Yeah. I was just coming and I was, we bought something. I had to pay instantly. They said pending. Waited and waited and it never delivered. So we had to leave. And this is EcoBank, so it failed. But I give you a 100% comprehensive insurance policy that your heavenly bank account can never fail. It, it will never freeze. There's no network to cause it to, to del- delay. <laughs> God's integrity is behind it. Yeah, and many have not seen this reality, but it works. It works. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, we are blessed. Yeah. Heaven supply. And, and the truth is that when you givers are always alive. Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. The Greek says, <laughs> hmm. it is more blessed. The word blessed is also the word for happy. So those who give are more happier than those who are always receiving. Hmm. Than those who are always taking. They are, they are more happier. It is more blessed to give. And when you are a giver, you, you are full of life. And you are full of light. Do you know that? Why is the Dead Sea called the Dead Sea? Because that sea is dead. <laughs> now the Dead Sea is the Dead Sea because it has no life. And it has no vegetation. Now when you go to Israel, you go to the Dead Sea, it has salt and minerals. And salt and minerals prevent life from growing. You see, salt and minerals prevent life from growing. But it's amazing that the Dead Sea has an opening at the south, but it has no outlet. So the Dead Sea receives its water from River Jordan and the Lake of Galilee. So River Jordan supplies the Dead Sea, and the Lake of, Lake of Galilee also supplies the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea. But amazingly, the Dead Sea is dead. There is no fish that is alive in the Dead Sea. Every fish in the, in the Dead Sea is dead. And there is no vegetation in the Dead Sea. It has death, accumulated death. The reason is this. The Dead Sea only receives water from the Lake of Galilee, but it doesn't, there is no outflow. 
there's no way outlet for it to give out water. So it is designed to only receive, but there's no way to give. Unlike the Dead Sea, if you, if you study the Lake of Galilee, the Lake of Galilee is always giving, it's always supplying to the Dead Sea. It receives and gives, it's always giving. As a result of that, it is so alive. The fish, you see, the, the, there's vegetation there, and the fish, there's life. There's life. It's a wonderful habitat for the fish. There's life. And it's also clear. The Lake of Galilee is one of the clearest water bodies on earth. It is so clear that the fishermen don't even fish in the day. They only fish at night because of how clear the, the lake is. That's why Peter said, we have toiled all night. Experts toil in the night. They don't toil in the day. Because a fish will see the net and even escape. It's so clear. Why? Because it's always giving. It's always giving. It's always flowing. There's an outlet, inlet, outlet, and it receives and it gives. But the Dead Sea only receives, doesn't give. I believe that God, you see, God hid all this truth in natural creation for our learning. It's amazing. For instance, for instance, when John the Baptist came and said, every mountain shall be made low, every valley shall be exalted. You know what he was talking about? Jerusalem is on a mountain. Galilee is in a valley. Jerusalem is made up, made up of the Jews. Galilee is the Galilee of the Gentiles. The, the Gentiles, Jerusalem refused the gospel. The Gentiles embraced Jesus. And 85% of his ministry was carried out there. So he's prophesying that the proud Jews will come down. But the Gentile nations who embrace Jesus, they shall be exalted. He spoke of mountains and valley. So, so we can learn from even the geographical structure of Israel. It's so wonderful. So because Galilee is a river that receives and that gives, the river is, is such a blessing. But the Dead Sea is dead. So those who are always, always receiving and not giving, they will dwell in the land of the dead. Those who are not giving, but are only receiving, what happens is that they become, they become barren, unfruitful, stagnated. That's what happens. There is no increase. There is no life. There is no fruitfulness. There is barrenness. Blood that doesn't flow, clots. Water that doesn't flow, stagnates. But the more we become givers, the more it's a wellspring of life. The more fruitful we become. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's a blessing. All right. The covenant of giving. Deuteronomy 8 verse 18. The covenant of giving. Deuteronomy 8 verse 18. But thou shall remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore unto his fathers, as it is this day. Now, this, within this verse is the secret to wealth. The secret to wealth is in this verse. Wealth and prosperity is a covenant. A covenant is an agreement. It's a pact. 
The Bible says that, but thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth. For what reason? That he may establish. The word establish, the word kum, actually means to confirm. That he may confirm his covenant, which he swore unto his fathers, unto your fathers, as it is this day. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, the highest type of relationship is in a covenant relationship. And there is a reason God introduced covenant in human history. Understand that when, before the fall of man, Adam was in Eden, in the realm of pleasantness, no lack, no struggle, no sweat. The lion and the lamb gambled together in Eden's paradise. Everything was wonderful until man committed high treason unto man's rebellion. And when man sinned against God, not only did he sin, something actually happened. When man sinned against God, man handed over the dominion to the hands of Satan. Now, understand this, that God gave Adam what is called the lease of dominion. Lease of dominion. When God made Adam, he gave him dominion, lease of dominion. It's, it's called a time limit dominion. He gave Adam. But when Adam sinned, he transferred that dominion into Satan's hands. Luke chapter 4, verse 6. We see in Luke 4, verse 6, when our Lord was tempted in the wilderness, Satan, the devil telling Jesus, he said, And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them. For that, see, all this power, he showed him the kingdoms of the world, and the glory of them. And now Satan told Jesus, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them. For that is delivered unto me. Look at it. For that is delivered unto me. And to whomsoever I will, I give it. Look at what he said. For that is delivered unto me. Who delivered it unto him? Adam. Job rightly said that the earth also is given into the hand of the wicked. And he covered the faces of the judges. Adam gave it to him. So from that time, Satan took over the earth. So we had the iron rule of Satan. Satan is man's ancient destroyer. We've had his despotic rule. The thraldom, the dominion of, dominion of death, Satan has reigned through death. All the poverty, all the sentence, all the curse, diseases, plagues, he engineered all. All right. Someone asked me last week that, why didn't God immediately, quickly destroy Satan? When Satan took over, someone asked me, uh, God could have put him aside. I said, no, God is not unlawful. <laughs> you see, these things ha has to do with legal issues. Because God himself set a system and certain legalities which he himself conforms to. Because you see, when God formed man, man he made man a free moral agent. He gave man power of choice and responsibility. So man had the power to choose. All right. 
Let me give you a picture. Assuming someone leases a house, a house is leased for you, and um, for six years. Once it is yours, you can do whatever you have to do, you want to do, until the time is over. The lease has a time limit. So I have it; it's mine now. I choose to give it to my friend. Yeah. By law, nothing can be done until it's time. Because he gave it freely. So Adam, God handed to him a time limit dominion. In fact, the dominion has a time limit. It ends at the second coming of Christ, actually. At the coming of Christ. And um, he handed over to Satan. Now Satan took over the human race. How could God intervene? How could God intervene? Because the heavens and the heaven of heavens are God's, but the earth has he given to the children of men. He has given. So how could God intervene in the affairs of men? In fact, there was no way God could come in except by a covenant. So the reason God ordained covenant is for him to be able to interfere and intercept in the affairs of men. So he can come in and be able to bless man. That is the reason God introduced a covenant. Because a covenant, when two kingdoms enter into a covenant, a pact, a covenant, covenantal agreement, after the covenant, you have access to the other king's land and all that he has, and he has access to your land and all that you have. So the covenant actually gives you access to all that the person has. So when God made covenant with Abraham and with Noah and with the fathers, what happened is that the covenant gave God access into the realm of the earth. So it is through that Abrahamic covenant that God had access to the seed of Abraham and they became his. It is through the Abrahamic covenant that even Christ came to the earth, that God could give his son Jesus Christ. It was through the covenant, covenantal blessings. Hallelujah. So the way God can intervene in the affairs of men is through a covenant. Now, I don't want you to lose focus because I'm talking about the covenant of wealth. But I had to lay foundations for why covenant in the first place. Because God, through that, will interfere or will intervene in the affairs of men. Hallelujah. Now, how about the covenant of wealth? The covenant of wealth. Now, the beginning of this covenant is in different places in the scriptures, but it, it begins in Genesis 8, verse 22. Genesis 8, verse 22. The covenant God made with Noah and the earth. While the earth remaineth, Seed time and harvest, and cold and heat, and summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. Now, this was after Noah had offered the birth offering, and God said, He will no more curse the earth. And God made a covenant. While the earth remained, seed time and harvest, and cold and heat. Now, seed time and harvest 
is both natural and spiritual. See, seed time and harvest is natural, but in 2 Corinthians 9, Paul used the same principle of sowing and God multiplying our seed sown and God ministering seed to the sower. Yeah, so sowing is not just natural, it's also spiritual. There's a natural and there's a spiritual. Praise God. That's a covenant. Covenant. Now, in a covenant, covenant is between two parties. You do your part, and the other party does his part, and it is affirmed. You do your part, he does his part, it, it is affirmed. There are conditions to covenant. There are conditional covenants and unconditional covenants. <laughs> the covenant of giving is based on condition. Uh-huh. But you must understand that God never fails with covenant. When God commits himself in a covenantal relationship, that, that is the highest commitment he can ever commit himself. When he commits himself in a covenant, there is no more he can to commit himself again. Because a covenant is God's highest irrevocable commitment. He backs the covenant with himself, with his life. That's why he said in Psalm 8934, My covenant will I not break, nor alter the thing which has gone out of my lips. He will not. That is why God himself said, the word of God says that here men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. And when God made promise to Abraham, Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. Say in blessing, I'll bless thee, multiply, I'll multiply thee. So in the oath of covenant, God had to even swear by himself, by his Godhead, saying, if I don't do it, I'll stop being God. If I don't do it, I'll cease to be God. So God, back of the covenant is his life. So if he doesn't do it, he will deny himself. <laughs> That's what he's saying. <laughs> so you see the solemnity of a covenant when it is ratified. Praise God. So God has no problem with he fulfilling his part. The problem is you, whether you fulfill your part. That's a covenant. Now this covenant is with all of us. But why are many not wealthy? Because it says this. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God. Because it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth. To the end that he may what establish the covenant. Hmm. Now what is the power to get wealth? What is that power? Seed power. Seed power. <laughs> now for you to walk in this covenant, God gives you power. Seed power. Alright. You see, the Bible calls it seed time and harvest. The seed time is your part. The harvest is his part. You do the sowing, he does, he brings in the harvest. That's how the covenant operates. You do your part in the, with the seed, with the seed, the sowing. But actually, even the seed, he is the one who ministers the seed to you, as Paul said. And he is the one who multiplies, multiplies your seed, as Paul said. So he gives you the seed. That's your part. But if you, if you spend your seed, or if you eat your seed, then a death process begins. 
Seeds are not meant to be eaten. Seeds are meant to be sown. I have an apple. An apple has the fruit, and within the fruit is a seed. The fruit is the eatable part, but the seeds are to be sown. You have to eat what must be eaten, and you have to sow what must be sown. You understand? What God gives you within is a what, within the money God gives you is a fruit. Within is also the seed. If you eat your seed, you cut off the continuation of life. The seed is for multiplication of life. All right. So, God is faithful. His faithfulness, he will do his part. But it's a covenant. The question is that, why are many Christians not experiencing Deuteronomy 8.18? This is it. They are in the covenant, but the covenant is not established. It is one thing to be in a covenant, another, another thing for a covenant to be established. Now, the word established means confirmed. You can be in a covenant, but the covenant is not confirmed. So, this is it. The reason many Christians are not enjoying wealth is because we are all in this covenant, but many have not received. The covenant is not established. That means it's not confirmed. Let me explain what it means. Galatians, Galatians, chapter 3, verse 15. Brethren, I speak after the manner of men, though it be but a man's covenant, yet yet if it be confirmed, no man disannulleth or addeth thereto. Now, this is amazing. You know what? Let me explain. The King James makes it so hard, but let me explain what it means. Brethren, I speak after the manner of men, though it be but a man's covenant. Yet, if it be confirmed, no man disannulleth or addeth unto. What he says, I speak after the manner of men. You know what he's implying? He's saying that he's given an example of human covenant. When two human beings enter into an agreement, a covenant, once they enter into agreement, the conditions of the covenant cannot be changed once it is ratified. That is it. He's saying that even, even sinful men, ordinary human beings, when they enter into a covenant, the covenant is binding and unchangeable. Once the covenant is ratified, when a covenant is inaugurated, it is binding and unchangeable. You only keep to the terms. You can't add to it. He said, no man added unto it. And no man can change it. You know what it means? When you want, if you want to be wealthy, wealth is a covenant. And the covenant has been established. You can't add to the covenant and you can't change it. For instance, you can't use fasting to get wealth. You can't use prayer to get wealth. If you want to use prayer to get wealth, you are adding to the covenant. You are trying to change it. It's an unchangeable covenant. It is binding and unchangeable. Uh-huh. So people are using so many things. So many things to get wealth. But it's a covenant. It's seed time and harvest. It's seed power. Sowing and reaping. That is what has been established. So he said, no man 
can add on to it, and no man can change it. A few weeks ago, someone came to me. So he's a man of God. And when he came to me, he said that I, I don't know him, but he managed to trace me. Then when he sat down, he said the reason why he has come is because nothing is working for him. There is no money. His ministry is struggling. Nobody gives. In fact, his ministry, people don't even give to him. They give to other people in other ministries. They don't give to the ministry. They don't also give to him. He himself, too, he's poor. Nothing is working. So he said, man of God, I came that you lay hands on me and change my financial status. I said, all right. I said, we are using the wrong key to open the wrong door. He said, behold, I give you the keys of the kingdom of God. It's keys. If you use the wrong key and you stand before the wrong door, you may cry from dawn to dusk, from morning to evening. The door has no respect to your tears. The door has no respect to your cryings. The door has no respect to your sighings. You may bang the door. You may cry. Have mercy. The door doesn't have mercy on your tears. The door only has respect to the right key. <laughs> so, you have a key, but it's a, it's a key of fasting. You have fasted till your intestines are rotten. Yeah, the money is not coming. You are using the wrong key to open the wrong door. It's not opening. You have another key, prayer. Praying, 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 that thing is not working. <laughs> prayer has its place. <laughs> it has its place. But you see, the thing is not working. I said, my brother, the right key is given. It's sowing. It's a covenant. No man addeth <laughs> and no man disannulleth. You can't add to it. It has been written. No man addeth. You think it's fasting, you're adding to it. That's not what he said. You think it's prayer, you're adding to the terms of the covenant. That's not what he said. He said, even with men, it's unchangeable. <laughs> I speak after the manner of men. How much more God? Uh-huh. It, so I spoke to him. He's giving. You yourself start living it. Practice live, live it. Live it. Live in it. And you see the result. And after that, teach your people. And that's a life we are called to live. Praise God. Some people are so accustomed to this kingdom, the earthly kingdom, that they cannot live beyond the realm of this base kingdom. To operate in the principles of the kingdom. Behold, I give you unto you, it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. We have the mysteries. Yeah. So whilst the world is crying, we are smiling. Haven't you read that the Bible says that look, we shall lay up gold as dust. That gold of offer is the rarest kind of gold as the stones of the brooks. You know what it means to have gold as dust? The more the drier season, the more the dust. Now, we have more dust in dry seasons. The season we are in Ghana, we don't have much dust. Uh-huh. But the driest of seasons, we have a lot of dust. That means when the economy is driest, that is when you, you will be richest. Yeah, because you lay up gold as dust. Can you say after me, I lay up gold as dust. I lay up gold as dust. Yeah. The more the economy is full of tension, the more 
You don't even see. When evil comes, you don't see. You have to be told that the times are becoming hard. Because you don't know between when it is hard and when it is not hard. You are living in a different realm and everything is fine. <laughs> because of this covenant, God never fails. Hallelujah. Now let's go back to our verse and show you how a covenant is confirmed. No. Galatians 3. Galatians 3. Yeah, we've read verse 15. Let's read verse 16. All right. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He said not and to his seed as of many but as of one and to thy seed which is Christ and this I say that the covenant that was confirmed before of God in Christ the law which was 430 years after cannot disannul that that it should make the promise of none effect what does it mean and this I say that the, that the covenant which was confirmed before of God to Christ. Why else says to Christ? All right, follow me carefully. Which covenant is he talking about? When Abraham was 84 years, that's Genesis 15, God made a covenant with him. And in that covenant, I mean, God made him kill some animals and put some on the left, some on the right, and uh, in those days, the two parties have to pass through the pieces of the covenant. But Abraham slept, and God himself came, and Christ is in symbolic forms, in, pillar and, uh, in a pillar of smoke and light, lamp, and they passed through the pieces of the covenant. So the covenant was made when Abraham was 84 years. So he was in the covenant, but the covenant was not yet confirmed. The covenant was not yet confirmed. <laughs> so this verse please let's stay in um, Galatians not this one let's stay in Galatians alright thank you it wasn't confirmed so although the covenant had been made Abraham still had no son now there was no if Abraham had no son because the covenant had not been confirmed. You know when the covenant was confirmed? It, co it was confirmed after 15 years. When it was 99 years. In Genesis 17. Now, the reason why it was not confirmed was because the, that covenant was one-sided covenant. There had been no response from Abraham yet. It was a one-sided covenant. So it had not been confirmed. The word confirmed means it has not been established. Now, remember why am I saying all of this? But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, because it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth to the end that he may establish. That's what I'm talking about. That he may confirm. He may confirm. He may establish. It's the same Hebrew word. Establishing the covenant means confirming the covenant. Uh -huh. So Abraham, God made a covenant with him in chapter 15, but there was, there was no confirmation. It was confirmed in chapter 17 when he was 99 years. How was the covenant confirmed? Through circumcision. So God manifested to him and he gave them the circumcision. After the circumcision, the covenant was confirmed. When Abraham was circumcised, he was 99. Isaac, Isaac came at 100. 
<laughs> so the instant the covenant was confirmed, the promises were delivered. Uh-huh. And Abraham was born in 2008 BC. So after, when he was 99, it's 2107 BC. 430 years after that was exactly the very day they were receiving a covenant from Sinai. So in the verses we read, the covenant which was confirmed 400, 430 years later was not the covenant in Genesis 15 when he was 84. It was the confirmation of the covenant in Genesis 17 when he was 99. So when he was 99, when the covenant was confirmed, Sarah conceived. Because in Genesis 15, it was a one-sided covenant. Abraham, it was only God and Abraham's seed, Christ. Abraham has given, he has not given his consent. <laughs> it's amazing. So, the instant the covenant was confirmed, Isaac came. So, there are many Christians around here in the covenant, but the covenant has not yet been established in their lives. The covenant is not yet confirmed in their lives. So they have not taken hold of the delivery of what they have been hoping and believing and trusting. Why? Because it has not been confirmed. It has not been established. But God himself said, Thou shalt remember the Lord thy God because it is he that giveth thee the seed power to make wealth. Why? For what reason? To the end that he may establish, he may confirm. So he gives you the seed as a means to confirm the covenant. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God because it is he that giveth thee power. I said that power is seed power. To the end that he may establish, kum, he may confirm the covenant. And the moment it is confirmed, you have the delivery of the promises. You have the delivery of the blessings. It comes into your hands. You have the increase. It comes into your hands. So my brethren, God wants the covenant. The covenant is certain. It is irrevocable, inevitable, immutable. God's integrity is behind it, but it must be established. When it is, it is established, that's establishing the covenant is by you sowing. Once you sow, leave the rest to God. God is committed to perform the terms of the covenant because he says, by covenant, I will not break. Hallelujah. So, the power to get wealth is, lies between the seed power and the confirmation. He gives you the seed to confirm the covenant so that he can do his part. So, as I'm speaking, for this seed sowing conference, I'm telling you, God has already preceded us. Hallelujah. God has gone ahead of us. Look, all of us in love economy, God is going to give you seed. Because it is God that ministered the seed to the sower. Uh-huh. For you to live in a realm of abundance, not in a realm of sufficiency, God is giving you the seed. And you must believe God for multiplication of seed. Now, I understand this. Don't give what you gave last year. And so, such moments for this ministry is a very prophetic moment. It, it determines your life is governed around it. It's a very prophetic moment. So, in certain seasons, in God's dealings, special angels are released at certain seasons for special unique purposes. Especially when, according to God's timelines, this is the time for seed sowing. There are blessings for it. 
But you must stretch your faith not to give what you gave last year. Uh-huh. You must stretch your faith to go beyond. Because if you give what you give, you are saying you want to receive what you received. Uh-huh. If you give 30 fold, it's time to give 60 fold. If you give 60 fold, it's, it's time to give 100 fold. Hallelujah. That, that's how to live. It's an ever increasing life. It is God. The Bible says he doesn't only minister seed. He multiplies your seed sown. Yeah. So if you really gave a seed, you must have a multiplied seed <laughs> today. And some of you, if you can stretch your faith, it's not even an additional seed. It's a multiplied seed. <laughs> it's amazing. I remember when the year began. I went on a retreat to pray. I was praying. As I was praying, I just stopped. I had an impression to watch Bishop Doug. I just had an impression when I was praying. So I managed to get there and to switch on to Bishop. It was a Sunday morning. And Bishop Doug was just calling for people to give. Building project, give this, this, this. As I was watching the Lord open my eyes, I saw this was 7th January. 12.38 p.m. As Bishop Doug was preaching and asking them to give, you know what I saw? An advertised advantage for money. <laughs> it's an advertised advantage for money. So what he's doing is, how do you even interpret it? <laughs> an advertising, you know, an opportunity, an advantage for me to be blessed. I said, Wow. 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 I said, hey. I didn't spare. How can I spare? I, I gave my best to the glory of God. And I'm telling you that it has really manifested in my life. That's how the year began. So we are in the middle of the year, and I think I've experienced more than twice what I experienced last year in finances. Yeah. Because advertised advantage. Someone came from abroad. The Lord opened my eyes and showed me a specific amount of money to go and sow to the person's life. And I saw this money. I said, hey. When I saw it first, I said, oh, I think it's figurative. You know, <laughs> initially I said, ah, this is, ah, this is too big. It, it, was, it was figurative. When I said that in my head, I saw it. It's literal. I saw it. I saw other words. I said, hey, God, God, you've meant business. <laughs> so I went and gathered every dollar I ever had in my life. And I had some dollars. And it was still not up to the amount. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it's the obedience to the spirit. <laughs> Got it all. Then I, I had to gather all the rest and go and make it happen. I did it with joy. Hallelujah. Oh, and I have sat in the room and I've told God why. Lord, why? Yeah, literally, Lord, why? Why? <laughs> you know, because God is so good. He's so good. <laughs> 
if ye have tasted that the Lord is good, <laughs> to whom coming this allowed indeed. Hey, he's so good, you go like, wow. That is why this kind of work is a work of faith. It's a, it's a, it's a risk, but it's a good risk. It's a blessed risk. You know, it's a work of faith. You, you, my. And if you have done it over time, you realize that. But almost like almost every time you said you get into it, you still need faith. You still need to believe, uh-huh, and trust. It, it happens. God is faithful. God is faithful. So when it comes to giving seeds, we, we are God's people. We, we belong to a different kingdom. You see, Israel, you know how they lived. The tabernacle of witness was in the middle, was in the middle of the camp. And they all lived facing the tabernacle. All the camp, the 12 tribes, they were in encampments of three, north, south, east, and west. They all had to live facing the tabernacle. No one had to live this way, facing the wilderness. They had to live facing the tabernacle. And that was dangerous. Especially when enemies are coming. Because if you live this way, when enemies are coming, you can spot them and prepare. But God said, take your attention from the world and focus on my church. And if you focus on his church, he said, I will take care of what is behind you. His glory will be your reward. Uh-huh. So for us, our concentration, why did he have to let them live towards the tabernacle, which is today the church? That is your focus. Your focus is the church. Because the church is the kingdom of God on earth. It's the manifestation of the kingdom of, of the heavens on earth. Uh-huh. So our resources, when we honor God, must go to the church. In Haggai, you know in Haggai what they were doing? They were, they were not concentrating on building God's church. So as a result of that, those who were doing businesses, they were not seeing profit. Those who were farming, they were not seeing profit. Those who were fishing, ah, almost like they were having bags with holes. They received their salary, but the salary cannot cater for them for the month. Because they've missed a very unique principle. They were not focusing on the church. But as you start focusing on the church, you realize that in yourself, you don't even live by the salary. <laughs> you are bigger than, than a salary. <laughs> You, you, your life is bigger than what your boss is giving you. <laughs> it's bigger, and, and it's bigger, and, and it's bigger. <laughs> I, knew, I knew someone who was working. He began giving so much that. <laughs> his tithe was equivalent to his salary. Yeah. So that means that what they were giving him was not even what he was living on. And they were going to promote him, and he told me that, oh, he has started tightening on the amount they'll give him for that promotion. Because he was going to be the national director of Ghana, the head. He said, ah, he started tightening <laughs> for what he's about to receive. So, obviously, he is living by a certain secret, a mystery, mystic secret. He's living by it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Brethren, we are not paupers, we are the seed of Abraham. We are supposed to be smiling. We are blessed of nations. So indeed shall all nations be blessed. We are blessed of nations. We are blessed of cities, companies. We, we bless, we bless. We are bound unto every good work. That is who we are. We are bound unto every good work. We are bound, we are bound. Mopoko Robo Sunday. 
Yeah, one of these days, you'll be so wealthy that when you are going, you have money in your bag, not for anything, but hoping you help someone. Yeah, there are many times I've done that, hoping that there will be a need. But sometimes I go and come and I don't meet any. <laughs> you have money in your bag, hoping to, meet, to, to bless someone. That will be your story. Mama, <laughs> mama, that will be your story. You are a blesser of nations. The seed of Abraham. Yeah. We are full of good works. Good works. Good works. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. To the glory of God. Now, in Luke 12, 21, so is he that laid up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. What is the purpose of prosperity? Many don't even know the purpose of prosperity. Your money is for God because you are a steward. Steward means that you are not the owner of your resources. It has been given to your charge. So as heaven's stewards, whatever you have, you are not the owner. You are the caretaker. And there is, you know, if you are the caretaker, there's going to be a day of reckoning for how you used what was given you. Now, Solomon began very well. When he became a king, he gave thousand bullocks. God was pleased. He went further to give 20,000 bullocks, 22,000 bullocks. He increased his faith. Then he gave 120,000 sheep. He learned this from his father, David, because David also gave a lot like that. Then he went on to build a temple, and he built a temple which was very expensive. Illinois Society, Illinois Society of Architects, 1925. They said it's very expensive. It's about $200 billion. Huge temple. But initially he began with God. Later on he began to fade. Now he began to backslide. Then he had 700 wives, 300 concubines, and the Bible called all of them strange wives. That means they were not the will of God. Yes. He left the will of God. Strange wives. Strange. Then his heart left God. So much that now the Bible says that he began to build <laughs> the high places. He began to build for Chemosh and for Molech. The abomination of Moab and the abomination of the Ammonites. So he built one temple for God and began to build <laughs> he, places of worship for these gods. So his money, which was firstly for the kingdom, was now being used for idolatry, to sponsor idolatry. And he backslided and he faded and we never heard of him. That's Solomon. He lost, can you imagine the wisest man? He lost the focus of prosperity. So is he that laid up what? Treasure for himself. Why are you laying treasure for yourself? And, for, and not for the kingdom. And not rich toward God. Now, I want to read certain statistics for you. 
something that happened in the world. You see, true riches, the real riches. The Bible says that the blessing of the Lord, it make it rich, add that no sorrow unto it. There are many people who are rich in this world, eh? but don't envy the world. A lot of the wealth we see are questionable. And many of the people have wealth, but they have sorrow. And no, there are people who have industries and companies, but they themselves, they, they, they don't have appetite to eat. They themselves, they have health challenges. Their health breaks down here and, here and there. Something happened in 1923 in Chicago at a famous beach hotel called the Edgewater Beach Hotel. Now, nine most powerful financiers of the world, the top nine financiers of the world, met on that day in 1923 at a hotel called the Edgewater Beach Hotel for a meeting. Nine of them. Nine of them. I want to read who they were and what was the outcome. Wealth. These nine most powerful wealth, wealthy financiers, these were their names. The first one is Charles Schwab, who was the president of the largest independent steel company. Charles Schwab, president of the largest independent steel company. The second one is Samuel Insoul. President of the largest utility company. The third one is Howard Hobson, president of the largest gas company. The next one is the fourth one is Arthur Cotton, the greatest wheat speculator. You know, in those days, wheat was a major industry in those days in America. Uh-huh. Because America was actually a farmland. It was a farmland that belonged to Europe, the European farmland, which later became a country. So he was the largest wheat speculator in America. Hallelujah. The next one is Richard Whitney, who was the president of the New York Stock Exchange. The next one is Albert Ford, who was a member of the president's cabinet. The next one is Jesse Lemon. He had the greatest beer and owned the beer industry. The eighth one is Leon Fraser, the president of the, Ameri- of the Bank of International Settlement. The last one is Ivan Krieger, the president of the world's greatest monopoly. So these were the top nine financiers in the world. They were worthy. When you put their wealth together, their wealth was more than America. <laughs> it was more than the treasury of America. And these guys met at the Edgewater Hotel for a meeting. They were wealthy. So is he that laid up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. But in few years, look at how they became. Each of them. Let me read how they, end, how they ended. All right. The first one, Charles Schwab. Yeah, the first one I mentioned, who was the president of the largest independent steel. After living on borrowed money for five years, he died penniless. Borrowed money for five years, he died penniless. The second one, uh, Samuel Insoul, the president of the largest utility company. 
He died a destitute in a foreign land. Howard Hobson, the president of the largest gas company, he died insane. Arthur Cotton, uh-huh, the one with the, the major the wheat industry, uh-huh, that's the greatest. I said America was a farmland. It was a European farmland. And he, had a, he was the greatest wheat speculator. Uh-huh. Hmm. He died insolvent. He became bankrupt. Richard Whitney, yeah, president of the American, the New York Stock Exchange. He died in prison. Albert Ford, he also died in prison. Jesse Lemon committed suicide. Leon Fraser, president of the Bank of International Settlement, committed suicide. Ivan Kreger, president of the world's greatest monopoly, committed suicide. So all the top wealthiest, the nine, all of them, look at how they ended their lives. The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he added no sorrow. These people had riches plus sorrow. But around the same time, there were certain men, who were as wealthy, but their wealth was based on heaven's economy. They were trading in, in, in the earthly businesses, but they were using God's principles. Okay. Uh, Rockefeller was around, and today, Rockefeller's company is still living legacies. It has not died. And he was a great titer. And he was committed. No, he was, he, he, he was working as a, uh, he was working in a church. He was working in a church. Even in, when he had that kind of wealth. He was a church worker. He, he didn't miss church. And he was giving. When the churches are, there are certain branches, he was giving. Yeah. And he was invested to the church's education. I said it before. One time he gave $140 million. Yeah, another time, $40 million in those days. Uh-huh. And Sam Walton, Sam Walton, up to now, wherever you go, you see the Walmart malls. They're everywhere. Even when you go to China, Walmart malls are everywhere. Sometimes I see, you go somewhere, you see Walmart, say, wow. And Sam Walton, he is the one who uses money for Sunday school. Sunday school movement sponsoring, like giving, giving. It was, a, it was spiritual. So I'm just trying to let you see the, 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 the differences. Those who use their money to serve God and those who laid up treasure for themselves, how they all ended. These guys had sorrow added to them. They had no legacy. <laughs> J.C. Penney, his thoughts are everywhere. His thoughts. Yeah. Yeah, he too was a crazy titer. He was a great giver. So all of these guys, their legacies still live on. Still live on. So is he that laid up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So God is faithful. May we channel our resources to that which is right. Aha. Because God is faithful to the covenant. And he will honor the covenant. 
So if you can hear my voice, you love economy anywhere, it is time for God to establish this covenant in your life. The covenant must be confirmed. The covenant is, must not be one-sided. It is two-sided, as I have told you. You must have the seed power. Seed time is your portion, and harvest is God's duty. And God doesn't fail. As you sow, he'll give the harvest. He'll harvest. And above all, this is the Lord Jesus we are talking about. And this is his kingdom we are talking about. And this is his church we are talking about. And this is the advancement. We want to see Christ's limitless kingdom progress. His dominion is from shore to shore and river to the ends of the earth. And my brother, my sister, he's coming soon. He's coming soon. What a joy to give to his resources. What, what a joy to give for the advancement of his kingdom. The work you see is not man's work. It's his work. It's his work. It's his work. So first of all, I just don't just give when the time comes. Just begin to have a vision. Now I want you to prepare your heart and speak in tongues. As you brood over the message meditatively, meditatively, you want to confirm the covenant to be confirmed, as you have you've been told. And as you pray, search your heart. The Spirit of God will put a desire in your heart. And you begin to prepare for it. You put a desire in your heart. And, and normally, all the crazy giving we give, it's not because we have it there. But we believe and we call it forth and we see it. We see it. We see it and we call it forth. Yeah, you have to pray in tongues. Don't just muse your mind, but pray in tongues. Enlarge, enlarge your scope and believe God. He's the one who can multiply your seed soon. Yeah, and never sow what you sowed last year. That's a stagnation. You don't do that. That's stagnation. You don't do that. that uh, we are, that's not what we are taught. Uh-huh. So see it, begin to speak it, begin to speak it, and see what God sees and begin to advance. And know that when the time comes, you're going to give that kind of seed. And the seed will motion your life forward. It will give you joy. It is more blessed to give than to receive. It will give you happiness. You know, it will give you settlement. It will confirm the covenant. And God is committed to do his part. And blessed be his holy name. Hallelujah. You'll be forever delighted that this was my portion. This is what I did. This was my portion. And God used me. Forever delighted. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God. Because it is he that gave you power. So power is coming to your hands. I said that power is seed power. Power is coming to your hands. For him to confirm the covenant of wealth. Power is coming to your hands. Keep it. Prepare it. Some of you have to save for that sowing. Yeah. And God will bring it. If you know you are a member, you are part of this covenant because you are the seed of Abraham. God's responsibility, he'll bring the seed. You can tell God, Father, I want my seed multiplied because you multiply my seed. And I'm telling you, what he'll give you for the seed sowing conference will be multiplied. Hallelujah. As I began, if I've been living at the level of sufficiency, this is the best time to break sufficiency and step into the level of abundance where you are bound onto every good work. Yeah. Now you are bound to every good work, helping everyone, helping people and the needs around you. 
because you've come out of sufficiency it's not just you 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 you've broken the power of self you've broken the power of self now you're living for others you are living for the kingdom hallelujah to god be the glory may his name be praised forevermore hallelujah hallelujah i want you to lift up your voice and begin to praise the lord for such opportunity he has given us thank you father thank you father thank you father mama laba shamba raba sunday bele bashamba raba sunday mama nama sanda bada bada you will lay up gold as dust mama 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 gold as dust gold as dust the almighty shall be your defense and thou shall have plenty of silver thank you father thank you father your legacy lives on god is honored god is praised forever and father i pray for every hearer of this word that father begin to give them imagination give them vision show them the the path of faith to stretch their faith to lay hold on you to commit you in this covenant we know you are faithful we know your covenant is abiding no man added unto and no man does not it we cannot change it it is steadfast father give everyone grace to fulfill your word and everyone grace that the covenant might be confirmed that we will live above this world glorifying your holy name thank you for the privilege to participate in kingdom building and to be part of what you are doing in your eternal church we thank you we bless you we hallow your name we say may you be praised forever thank you father in jesus name the son of the living god amen god bless you for listening we pray that the word of god will be rooted and grounded in your heart as you give attention to the word kindly follow pastor t and love economy church on all social networks for more of god's word don't forget to subscribe to the pastor t podcast simply search for pastor t on any podcast app plug in and enjoy god's word visit our website at loveeconomychurch.org for more information god bless you